Turn please in the scriptures this evening to verses we looked at last week. I think we should continue on. We began a new series last week. Anybody remember anything about it? It's been a whole week since then. But go to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, Ephesians chapter 5. We begin talking about being filled with the Spirit. Amen. Anything in the Bible about being filled oh, with the Spirit? Praise God. <laughs> is filled with the Spirit a good thing? It is an exceedingly good thing. In Ephesians 5 and 17, 517 says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. There's a lot of people that, if they don't outright say it, they leave the impression that the will of God is pretty much a mystery. That nobody can really know and that you just see how things turn out and happen and that that's the will of God. Whatever happened because he's totally controlling everything. That's not true. That's right. Just not true. In fact, he has given us his word and he's given us his spirit and he expects us to know his will. That's right. Amen. That's right. <laughs> to seek him in his word. Seek him in prayer by his spirit and find out what the will of God is. It's not okay to just go, well, who knows the will of God? Nobody knows the will of God. Not true. You don't know everybody. (laughs) There are some people that know some things about the will of God. And every one of us is supposed to know some things about the will of God. And we're supposed to know more by the end of the year about the will of God than we do now at the beginning of the year. You think so? What does the scripture say? Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And under the New Testament, New Covenant, what he goes into next is the will of God. Verse 18, this is the will of God for every believer. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, or... Like we said, other translations say losing control. But be filled with the Spirit. Everybody said out loud, be filled, be filled. With, the Spirit. with the Spirit. And then he goes on to talk about something that's connected with being filled, speaking. Be filled speaking. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns. And spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That sounds like you're up. That does not sound depressed. Does it? Come on, sit out loud. Speaking to yourselves. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, singing. Making melody in your heart. heart. Does that sound like being depressed? It's not being depressed. Verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the will of God for all of us. 
in the New Testament, the New Covenant, is being filled with the Spirit. Now, there's a phrase here that we need to uh, understand, and Amplified brings it out in verse 18. The Amplified translation says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But ever be filled. Somebody say, ever be filled. Ever be filled. And stimulated with the Holy Spirit. The complete Jewish Bible says, don't get drunk with wine because it makes you lose control. Instead, keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled. The term Spirit-filled is used too broadly and too loosely. Spirit-filled this, Spirit-filled that has become a label. But a lot of times it's meaningless and actually incorrect. And like I mentioned last time, you hear people say foolish things like, uh, you know, did you hear about so-and-so, you know, the pastor, he, uh, he ran off with the piano player and the building fund. And he's spirit-filled. And like I said, not that day he wasn't. (laughs) And probably not a lot of days before then. Because being full of the Spirit, you don't do things like that. That's being full of the flesh. Yeah, but he was a tongue talker. That doesn't mean he was full of the Spirit every day. Are y'all with me? Maybe not. Go to the book of Acts. The second chapter, Acts 2. Some have brought out that this phrase when he said, be filled with the Spirit, could be translated, be being filled. Be being filled. Well, we see that in other translations, ever be filled. In Acts 2.4, we see the beginning of the church's experience in being filled with the Spirit. Acts 2, 4. They were all what? Filled with the Holy Ghost. Ghost is an old English word. King James. The word's pneuma. Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we were right here in Florida. Some years ago. Having a meeting on the East Coast. And uh, a bunch of 70 of us ministers. Went to this restaurant together. We actually were on buses, and we came to this meeting we were having, and uh, so we kind of took the restaurant over, and uh, and we were having some Holy Ghost meetings, and there were some people being filled and some things going on, and uh, this lady caught somebody, one of the passing by, and boy, the guy she caught was a was fiery evangelist. She got her one when she tapped him, and she said, uh, what is all this? He said, we're having Holy Ghost meetings. She said, really? He said, yeah. She said, do you wear a costume to that? (laughs) So when you say ghost, people's mind goes all kinds of places, right? (laughs) No, this is not a costume party. Uh, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And notice, did you notice our text? Be filled with the Spirit speaking. Let these be linked in your mind. Be filled with the Spirit speaking. Now there he said speaking in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But here 
He's talking about speaking in other tongues. But he's still speaking. I said he's still speaking. You know, you could tell if a car or a truck was full of gas if you didn't even have a gauge. Anybody know you could you could tell if you didn't even have a gauge? What do you do? Well, you open up the what do you call it? The inlet where you put the gas, take the cap off, take your nozzle, you put it in there, and you pump, you pump, you pump, you think, well, I wonder if it's full. Well, you can look around, talk, and ask questions. Ain't no need doing that. Come on, help me out. What do you do? Just just keep on pumping. Is that right? Keep pump, pump. Well, I pumped some more. I wonder if it's full. You don't have to wonder. Keep pumping. Is that right? And at a certain point, it'll start kicking back out of the mouth. And then you know it's full. Same thing is true with you. Same thing is true with me. Said out loud, be filled. Speaking. They were all filled and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there are some people, bless their heart, they may be sincere, but they say, well now, yeah, but not that tongues, that's not for everybody. That's the gift of tongues and not everybody has the same gift. No, that's lack of understanding. That's right. uh, 1 Corinthians 12, talking about the gift of the Spirit in diversity of tongues is a different thing from this. It's talking about ministry and interpretation of tongues. Every believer, everybody listening? Every, I'm talking over the internet, every believer, every believer should be speaking in tongues. Every, no exceptions. No exceptions. Now if you say, well I just don't believe that. Well you're only hurting yourself. You're only cutting off yourself from a blessing that you sorely need. And if you don't receive the revelation about speaking in tongues, then you're also going to be cut off about being filled with the Spirit. Because this is not the ultimate end all of being filled with the Spirit. This is the doorway into the rest of it. And if you won't yield enough to speak in other tongues, you won't yield enough beyond this in other areas too. It takes faith to speak in tongues. It takes faith to speak in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The Lord's not going to make you do either one. Just like he won't make you get born again. It takes faith. But of course, you're not ever going to step out in faith if you don't believe it's for everybody. Or if you believe it's wrong. And a person with an experience is never at the expense of a person with an argument. What do you mean? Somebody comes telling me. Without speaking of tongues, that's not right. That's not for everybody. Do you speak in tongues? No. Well, I do. So I'm more of an authority on it than you are. Now, because I'm a preacher, there was a time when I was a Christian and I didn't speak in tongues. Now, for many years since, I'm a Christian who does speak in tongues. And I can say with complete authority, speaking in tongues is better than not speaking in tongues. And if you haven't experienced it, then you don't know what you're talking about. But now, I don't mean to be unkind about it because I struggled about it myself. Y'all have heard me talk. I tarried, I tarried years. I struggled thinking wrong. It wasn't the Lord holding it back from me. I was just thinking wrong. But uh, if you're going to 
go further in being filled with the Spirit, you have to get past this first. If you're struggling with talking in tongues, there's no need in you talking much about being filled with the Spirit. Because you got to yield there and then just keep going. I hear a lot of hmms out across the crowd. Acts 2.4, this was an initial experience. None of them had been filled with the Spirit before. This is a new experience for them. But go just a couple of chapters later, chapter 4, Acts 4 and 31. And when they, this is some of the same bunch you read about in Acts 2. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Now they're not speaking in tongues, but they're speaking beyond their natural speaking. But now these are the same people that got filled in Acts 2. Maybe more of them, but some of the same people. Here's the thing. The same people that got filled in Acts 2 got filled again in Acts 4. Be ye being filled. There's one initial infilling of the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues, but there are to be many following refillings. There are to be many, many, many. You're not supposed to go. I'm not supposed to go day after day, dry, bored with our Christian walk, just biding our time till Jesus comes or we get out of here. There's a lot of people who want Jesus to come. They really want him to come today. Why? I owe money. God, get, get me out of here. No, the Lord's coming back for a victorious, glorious church. Not a defeated, hiding behind the bush. Bail me out. Jerk me out of here. (laughs) Because I can't take it anymore. But the thing, a lot of things are hard to take sober. (laughs) Did I lose you? I said a lot of things are hard to take. Sober. People in the the world all the time saying they come in, it's a rough day, they go, I need a drink. Make it a strong one. A double, whatever. I I need a drink. Well, you do need a drink. I said you do need a drink, but not of alcohol. Alcohol is not going to do it for you. It might put you in a delirious state of mind and cause you to lose control, but that ain't joy. That's not peace. And when you get over your drunk, nothing's going to be better. Everything's going to be worse. Don't be drunk with the alcohol wherein is debauchery and loss of control. But, but, doesn't mean you just live dry. But... There's something you can do instead of get drunk. There's something you can do instead of get high. What is it? What is it? Be filled 
with the Spirit. Be being filled. Get filled and get filled again. Get filled again. Get filled again. Hallelujah. We're supposed to be full of the Holy Spirit and power and joy and peace and light and life. And that will make you a witness. You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit's come on you, upon you, upon you, and you'll be witnesses. That light, that life, people see you and you're up every day and you don't, you're not a drunk and you're not addicted to drugs. How do you do it? What are you taking? What are you on? Must be some good stuff, man. Give me some. You go, you can have, you can have all you want. You can have all you want. And it is the best stuff you ever have. No bad side effects. And you can't overdose. Now am I making this up? Or did the scripture compare being filled with the spirit. To being drunk. On alcohol. And so uh, that's what you saw on the day of Pentecost. The people saw them. After they were filled. They come tumbling out of the upper room. And people, some of the people said. These guys are drunk. Why would they? You don't think somebody's drunk because they're speaking in another language. You think they're not from around here. (laughs) There had to be other indications. Right? Why did they think they were drunk? They were giddy. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're full of what he is. You're full of life. You're high own life not the life of this world zoe eternal life of God you're high on joy on peace so any day day to day you and I can be an eighth full a quarter full half full or you can be filled Let's believe God to show us how and be willing to make adjustments in our lifestyle to get filled and get filled again and be being filled. Can you say amen? Amen. Go with me to the book of John, please. Gospel account of John and the fourth chapter. We're going to begin reading about verse one, very beginning of the chapter. We're going to read several verses here. John 4, when the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, just keep going through the verses, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea, departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then comes he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey. You know Jesus got tired. Just like we do. Why? He became a man. In every way. Just like us. Was tempted in every way. 
Most people don't believe that. In any way you have ever been tempted, he was tempted. Now people say, oh no, no, now Jesus was never tempted. The Bible said he was. Hebrew says he was tempted in all points. What does that mean? All points. Just like us, yet without sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. You miss it when you yield to the temptation. The enemy will bring all kind of thoughts and feelings to you. Doesn't mean you have sinned. But if you don't know this, you'll accept condemnation. He'll bring thoughts, he'll bring feelings, he'll bring suggestions, and if you don't watch what you're doing, you'll have sat there and thought on it or imagined it, and then you realize, go, that's not, that's not what I should be thinking on. Then he'll come and go, look at you, supposed to be a Christian, thinking about this, looking at this. Brother Hagin, my father in the faith, used to say this, he said, even the holiest saint of God has found coming to their mind thoughts or feelings that are ungodly. And not right. He said you can't prevent a bird from flying over your head. But you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. Amen. Right? You, you, you can't prevent a thought from coming to you. Or a suggesting or a feeling. But the moment it does and you realize it's wrong. What do you do? You cast down imaginations. Is that right? You, you grab it and you throw them down. You slap them down. Slap it down. I know one of the uh, one of the things that helped me oh it must have been nearly 30 years ago now I heard somebody talk about this and it was such a clear example to me he said he uh, he was in a big city and somebody wanted him to see this new skyscraper that they had built and it was the tallest building in the city and so he got there and he went up the elevator and this is little balcony that he was on. He said, man, he's up there. The cars and the people look like tiny little toys down there. And he said, this thought came across his mind. Why don't you just jump? And he turned and said, you jump. I'm not. <laughs> and I thought, that's excellent. He realized, that's not me. That's a thought coming to me from out here. But a lot of Christians don't realize that. They'd have gripped the rail. And then a thought. And if you do this, you open yourself up totally. Then you go, what am I doing standing here thinking about jumping? Oh, and if you say that, the enemy's ready. He, go, he said, because you're suicidal. No. Yeah. No, I'm not. Well, why are you standing here thinking about jumping? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, yeah, you are. Well, yeah, no. Yeah, you got a spirit of suicide. What? No. Got two of them. No. <laughs> now we're laughing. But that's how people have got so depressed they become suicidal. And then it seems to be it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, I told you I was. Well, it's only because you accepted it. What you should have done was turn around and go, no, I ain't crazy. Jump if you want to. I'm not. And you can not only do that with something like that, anything. Something comes to you, a thought, a suggestion, and you realize it. You go, I'm not doing that. I'm not crazy. Get out of here. I resist you in Jesus' name. I'm not doing that. Not now. Not ever. 
leave me. And if it comes back a hundred times, you say the same thing. A hundred, get out of here. What did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. I ain't doing it. Don't fall into condemnation and go, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? You're letting the devil trick you. You're an overcomer. You're a conqueror. Comes down to your decision. You go, I don't don't care if he brought that dumb thought to me. That's not me. I'm not doing that. Where were we before I got into that? John 4. Jacob's well was there. Jesus being wearied with his journey, he sat on the well. It was about the sixth hour. Then comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me to drink. He's tired. They've been traveling. That usually means walking. Dusty conditions. Little pavement in those days. And so he's dry. Why not just get a drink? Well, you didn't just go over to the fountain and push the button. (laughs) And you didn't go to the faucet and turn open the spigot. You had to have a bucket and a rope. And if you didn't have one on you, and you know, you don't just necessarily walk around with a bucket and rope. (laughs) Then you can't get the water that's down in the well. Well, here comes a woman. She's come there to draw water. So she's got the bucket. She's got the rope. And he asked her, you know, would you give me something to drink? For his disciples were going into the city to buy meat. That's the word for food, to buy food. And notice what it brought up. Then said the woman of Samaria to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? He runs head into racism. Now, our country has had problems of late. Oh, look how quiet it got. <laughs> do we, what will the truth do for you? The truth will make you free. Yes. Don't be afraid I'm going to say something wrong. <laughs> Believe with me. Yes. <laughs> Two people kind of get this. Oh, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? <laughs> The Lord's been dealing with me about this recently, and it's revelation. I've I've known it for some time, but I see it clearer than I have before. Racism is not a black-white thing. This is not black-white. Jews and Samaritans. It, It, you know, it can be whatever, any kind of group or background. But uh, keep reading. She said, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She's obviously been hurt by people who were Jewish people who have treated her as less and refused to have dealings with her because of what? Because she was Samaritan. And uh, love would never do anything to make somebody feel less. Would it? Any kind of name or any kind of treatment to make people feel like they were less valuable or less important. Regardless of any category. Love's just not going to do that. 
Is it? Because people are valuable to God. Is that right? Every soul is valuable to God. No matter what they've done or how they've acted, they're still valuable to Him. And uh, she went on to say, verse 10, let me, let me back up a little bit. Verse 9, the Jews have no dealings. One translation says, the Jews don't use the same dishes. <laughs> and that would, that would probably be true because he's asking to drink out of her bucket. Is that right? Yeah. You can see some of the looks I'm getting across the crowd. People are just, relax, relax. <laughs> this is part of the problem People thinking they can't talk about these things. Fear puts you in bondage. This chapter is about drinking. Everybody with me? It's about drinking. Water is a type of the Spirit. And we're going to see more of this in just a minute. But this, this whole passage is about drinking. But I want you to notice something that the enemy tried to do to prevent her from drinking. And it was to get her to focus on things that would separate her. Was well, everybody listening? Separation. Separate her from Jewish people. And that might seem like an okay deal, but the master's in front of her, and he happens to be Jewish. She don't even know him. But if she feels hard against all Jewish people because of how some Jewish people have treated her before, then she has separated herself. And without realizing it, she separated herself from living water now. If she lets this hold. Can you see the the lie of the enemy? The trick of the enemy. He's trying to separate people. Divide and conquer. And too many folks have let him do it. Just let him do it. Racism is built on a lie. It is the foundation of racism is deception. I'm going to keep going. And it's lies about differences. It's lies about differences. There's no such thing as black or white. It doesn't exist. Somebody said, well, you should grow up where I grew up. Well, you should grow up in some other places too. (laughs) There's no such thing. As people of similar skin tone being the same. We're not black and white. Or yellow or red or brown. We're many varying shades. Mocha. (laughs) Chocolate. Pinkish hue. Ecru. The truth is, there is no difference between two people 
because their skin tone is different any more than their hair color or their eye color. There is no difference. Are y'all with me or not? There's no difference. It's not just me carrying on. The Bible says there's no difference. I'm quoting the Bible. Somebody say no difference. He says, well, you didn't grow up where I grew up. If there's a difference, it's because you believe there's a difference. And if somebody treats you different, it's because they believe there's a difference, but they believe a lie. Because the truth is, I said the truth is, there is no difference. When you're talking about those things, there is no difference. If you think there is, you believe in a lie. Let me give you some scriptures. Romans 10, 12, for there is no difference. If the Bible said there's no difference, how much difference is there? Well, there is some. No, no, no. There's no difference. I don't buy into this thing about people say, well, you need to teach me about white culture. You need to teach me about black culture. You need to teach me about Asian culture. You need to teach me about Hispanic culture. So, no, no, no. Mm -mm. No. (laughs) Well, we're Hispanic Americans and African Americans and and, and what? Anglo-Americans? What? No, how about let's just be Americans. Americans. Well, we're uh, we're uh, Methodist Christians. We're Pentecostal Christians. We're Catholic Christians. How about let's just be Christians? Christians. Christians. I ain't making a political speech. I'm quoting the Bible. I'm quoting the New Testament. There is no difference. No difference. No difference. We need to stop talking differences. Quit using labels. If you don't say white person, then you don't need to say black person. It's a person. Or Hispanic. Or Asian. Person. If you don't preface everybody you meet, well, it's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed person. Who are you talking about? Now, I'm not saying you can't use the word. I'm not talking about being legalistic. But the more you talk differences, the more you're going to feed separation. And what's the truth? There's no difference. Galatians 3.26. Galatians 3.26. You are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. The color of your skin does not matter at all. Any more than the color of your eyes, color of your hair, whatever. What does matter is the color of your heart. That matters. And not everybody has a good heart. People say, well, everybody's basically good. No, they ain't. No. (laughs) But having a good heart has nothing to do with the outside. You're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. For there is neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free nor male nor female. 
You're all one in Christ Jesus. Somebody say there's no difference. There's no difference. Come on, there's no difference. If you talk differences, you're going to perpetuate separation. You got to watch about separating. Well, we're cowboy Christians. Well, we're motorcycle Christians. <laughs> we're Native American Christians. How about let's just be Christians? You got to watch about men's groups and women's groups. Now, you know, we have a separate night during marriage meeting for men and women, but that's, we're talking about marriage. But how much difference is it just in the things of God between being a man and being a woman? Here it says... There's no male or female. Did I lose somebody? Galatians 6.15 says in Christ Jesus. Neither circumcision avails anything. Nor uncircumcision. What makes the difference? Not even your religious traditions. Or the rituals. The only thing that matters. Is have you been born again? That's all that matters. If you're born again. Come here buddy. You're my family. Is that right? If you ain't been born again, stay right there for a minute. Let me pray with you. (laughs) Well, aren't they your brother too? Uh Uh-uh. They're not. Well, we're all brothers. No, no, we're not. No, we're not. But it's got nothing to do with color or background. There are two spiritual families in the earth. Family of God family of the devil and if you haven't been born again you're in the wrong family and you're not my brother I'd like for you to be and you can be but you're not if you're not born again it doesn't matter you know if our DNA is almost identical familial whatever it's you're not my brother (laughs) hallelujah Romans 2 28 I want to make sure you know we've got scripture we're talking about. It's talking about Jewish. There's some people that, you know, they, they pursue all things Jewish. But he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. I don't care if you can trace your physical DNA to Abraham. According to the New Testament, does not make you a Jew. He's not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Am I reading the New Testament? Neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one? Inwardly. Inwardly, And circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit. Not in the letter. Whose praise is not of men, but of God. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 4, verse 3. Says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Because there is one body, one spirit. Spirit, even as you're calling one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. One. One. So it's okay to acknowledge where you came from. It's okay to talk about that, but it's not okay to separate yourself based on that. Not okay. Because there's only one family of God. Only one body of Christ. One. 
In 1 Corinthians 1.10, he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and same judgment. He said, it's been declared to me, 1 Corinthians 1.11, by my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there's contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you says, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas or Peter, I'm of Christ. Verse 13, is Christ divided? What's the answer to the question? No, no, no. Was Paul crucified for you? You baptized in the name of Paul? No. I said no. No. If you've been born again, it's okay if you want to talk about a group that's been a blessing to you, but don't emphasize it. And don't label yourself. Don't bring it up every time you talk about you or somebody else. It causes separation. And that's based on deception. And Jesus was confronted with this. The Spirit, why did he ask her for something to drink? Go back to John 4. Why did he ask her for something to drink? He said, I want to say what I hear my father say. The Father God prompted him to do this. One thing was going to lead to another, lead to another. She needs God. Is that right? She needs God. And he begins by asking her for a drink of water. And she, instead of just so simple, what do you do if the master asks you for a drink of water? Get him a drink of water. But when you've been thinking wrong for all your life, and you think you're justified because people have mistreated you, treated you as inferior, treated you as less, Then she responds like this. And verse 10. Jesus answered and said. If you knew. The gift of God. And who you talking to. You would have asked him. You said give me a drink. And he would have given you. Living water. Somebody wants to talk to you about differences. Act like you don't even hear them. Talk to them about living water. You know, it's easy to get in the flesh and get upset because people said something that offends you concerning your culture, your family, your background, whatever it might be. Any unbeliever can do that. But if you're spiritually mature enough, a lot of times you'll just act like you didn't even hear it. You just look at people and it's like, just went right by you. They go, say some kind of derogatory remark or insulting thing. And you just look at them and go, you need some living water, don't you? I can help you. Not in a condescending way, but in a love way. He said, you'd have asked him. He would have given you living water. See, the enemy tried to keep her from living water through separation, deception, about things like racism. Verse 11, the woman said to him, Well, let me me just stop right here. I'm I'm not done with this. We are called vessels. Is that right? I'm a vessel. You're a vessel. Our body is a clay vessel that houses a spirit vessel. Inside our spirit is the Holy Spirit. And the Lord does some of these things on purpose. He wants you to appreciate other parts of the body of Christ. 
And so oftentimes the thing you're hungry for and thirsty for, he'll put it in a cup you said you didn't like. <laughs> and if you say, oh, no, I don't drink from Baptist cups, well, then you're just going to go thirsty because he put it in a Baptist cup. <laughs> I don't drink from white cups. I don't drink from black cups. I don't, well, just stay dry then. Yeah. Because the Lord has given you what he's offering to you. Is that what's happening right here? God is giving her what she most needs, but it's in a Jewish cup. Not Jewish, anything but Jewish. No, this is a, oh God, I want it, I want it so bad, but can't we just get another cup? No, no, no. It's coming through this Jewish cup. (laughs) You have to watch. About separating and cutting people off and, and being like that. Because the very thing you need, it'll be them. The Lord will use them. Or you'll have to go to them and talk to them about it. And just make it so easier if you haven't said a bunch of ugly stuff ahead of time. You just won't have to do as much repenting. <laughs> well, white people don't understand. Well, Indian people don't understand. Hispanic people don't understand. There's no such thing. As white people. There's no such thing as a bunch of people with similar skin tones. Who all think exactly alike and believe exactly alike. Everybody say lies. 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 Every person is different. And the Lord doesn't look on the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Is that right? And if we're going to be spiritual. We learn to do the same thing. Blonde hair, blue eyes, black hair, green eyes, whatever doesn't make you anything. We want to know about what kind of heart you got. Is that right? Then we know about you. and We we can't see that on the outside. Are you willing to drink good stuff through whatever kind of cup? Whatever cup the Lord wants to bring it to you through. If he likes that cup enough to put it in there. You better like it enough to drink from it. Because what hand is on the other end of that cup offering it to you? Come on, sit out loud. Lord, I'll drink from whatever cup suits you. If you like the cup, I like the cup. If you like the cup, it's a good cup. <laughs> These cups are imperfect too. These are, these are people. Amen. They got chips in them. <laughs> huh? Rough edges. Half the handle may not be there. I mean, these cups are not perfect. But what's inside is from him. And it's life changing. Glory to God. Will you at least think about that? He tried to keep her from drinking by trying to separate her from other people. We're not going to let him do it are we? Somebody say we're not going to let him do it. Now. Um, go back to our last verse in John 4. She said. Sir you have nothing to draw with. And the well's deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Notice they're not talking about racism anymore. Jesus changed the subject. From Jews and Samaritans. To living water. And she went with him. So the enemy's attempt to hold her out 
with deception and separation, not working. She said, uh, because when she heard living water, she thought, man, that sounds good. But how are you going to get living water? You got nothing to draw with. I told you you didn't have a bucket. You got nothing. And the well's deep. How are you going to get it? Verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well? Now, we ain't talking about racism, but we're talking about religious differences. <laughs> Denominational differences. Can you see how subtle the enemy is? He throws up this separation over race, and if you'll stop, you're held out. But even after you got over that one, now he wants to talk religion. Oh, we're different. We're different. We're different. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well. He drank from this well himself. His children and his cattle. Verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Oh, we were just singing about spring up, oh well. Hallelujah. Spring up, oh well. Somebody say living water. Living water. Living water will make you forget about black, white, Baptist, Pentecost. Living water will make you forget about everything. (laughs) And you'll get full and you'll get happy and you'll get high and you're saved and you're going to heaven. And could care less what shade somebody might be. <laughs> what does the country need? Need to get saved. And get filled with the Holy Spirit. What does the world need? You will never be able to legislate away racism. I'm sorry. Man does not have the answer for this. You can't legislate it away. Or denomination, religious differences. You will never be able to write enough laws. It's not a natural problem. It's not a legal problem. It's a spiritual problem. You can't fix a spiritual problem with a natural fix. Only thing that will fix it, people getting saved. Getting right with God. Getting filled with the Spirit. Is everybody on the planet going to do that? No. So we're going to have to deal with it. In the world. We don't have to deal with it. In the church. If we'll let the truth set us free. We don't have to deal with it in the church. We don't have to have it in the church. Now you're going to run into it in the world. You just got to know that. Because people are not being saved. You're going to run into it. But you don't have to let it bug you. You can be mature enough. Some of it's going to rub you the wrong way sometime. I know that. You got flesh, but you don't have to let your flesh rule you. Amen. You can respond. I, I had somebody follow me down the hall before yelling at me. I don't like you. I don't like your kind. I don't like you. I, I just smile. I said, you don't know me. If you knew me, you'd like me. I think that might have mattered than before. I've had people meet me out in the parking lot and act like they're going to punch me. I don't believe what you said. I don't believe it. It's not right. I'm going to blow it. Well, don't mean I can't love them. Is that right? I don't have to let their problem become my problem. I need to act like a saved one here. 
So do you. I said, so do you. So do you. Who's going to act like the saved ones around here? Come on, I'm going to say, who's going to act like the saved ones? We are. Glory to God. You're the saved ones. So act like it. (laughs) A lot of this stuff, just let it roll off your back like water off a duck's back. Just act like you didn't even hear it. Amen. I had some people come to me after a meeting one time and they said, Brother Keith, man, what they said about you. I said, what? He said, don't you know they were talking about you? They were referring to I said, no. They said, yeah. I said, no. <laughs> well, yeah, I knew it. But what difference does it make? Right. A lot of people, what they say, their voice never even left their ground. Their words mean nothing. They have no spiritual effect or impact. They are able to hurt their self. Who said it? Then what does it mean? And what does it matter? Don't take everything to heart. Keep reading. Verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Neither come here to draw. She's still thinking mostly naturally. She's thinking, I'll never have to come here again. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. (laughs) Here we see the enemy tried to keep her out through separation. Separation based on racism, separation based on denominational differences. He's still yet to deal with all that. But another thing that the enemy tried to keep her out with is condemnation. These things will rob you from drinking of the Spirit. They'll rob you from being filled with the Spirit. Condemnation. And he knows that's got to be dealt with for her to drink. Go call your husband and come here. Verse 17. The woman answered and said, I don't have a husband. (laughs) Jesus said, well, I mean, technically that's correct. You don't have a husband. He said because you've had five husbands. And the one you with now. Is not your husband. So technically. I guess that's all right. (laughs) She says sir. I perceive you're a prophet. (laughs) She was not planning on getting into any of this. She's just going to say I don't have a husband. And let's move on. Back up to verse 18, a lot of revelation here. Just because someone was your spouse, that doesn't mean they always are. Or else why is he to say it? No, the first one you married, that was your spouse, and that's it. Nor, just because you're living with somebody, does it make them your spouse. A lot of Things that people try to get into about that. But you see revelation in this verse, don't you? In uh, verse 19, I perceive you're a prophet. Verse 20, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So she wants to get off of this marriage and divorce thing. (laughs) And let's talk some religion. So we're back to denominational differences. Back to verse 20. She said, uh, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. But you say, talking about you Jewish people say, 
in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. And this obviously was a doctrinal thing that was a big separation between these two groups. So she brings it up knowing that this usually is good for a lot of discussion and, and people will forget about me and my five husbands. <laughs> and Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. The hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Basically, she's saying, which one's right? Which one's right, us or the Jews? She figures he's going to say the Jews. He says, neither one. Hmm. Hadn't heard that before. Neither one? No, because Jesus is introducing the new covenant. Hallelujah. Not in this mountain. Not at Jerusalem. Verse 22. You worship. You don't know what. Okay. We know what we worship. Salvation is of the Jews. Well it is. You got to go back to Abraham. Right? I mean it is. Keep going. But the hour comes and now is. When the true worshipers. Shall worship the father in spirit. And in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. Verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is New Testament worship. There's a big difference between Old Testament praise and worship and New Testament praise and worship. We ought not try to worship like they did under the old covenant. They were not born again. They did not worship in spirit. Now some of this sounds new to you. We're going to be getting into it in detail later on. I'm just teeing you up. I'm warming you up. But uh, this is New Testament worship. In New Testament worship and praise is not done in the flesh. It's done in the spirit. Oh, everybody say in the spirit. In the, spirit. the thing that makes our covenant so much better than the covenant they had is because under the old covenant, no one was born again. No one had the spirit of God dwelling inside of them. No one. A few people would have the Spirit of God come on them and anoint them to do something. But nobody had the continual abiding presence of the Holy Spirit inside them. You had to go to the temple. You had to go to the tabernacle. And the presence of God was in there inside the Holy of Holies. And only the priest could go in there once a year after certain precautions. Nobody had the presence of God in them. But today in the new covenant, not just kings and priests and prophets and deliverers and preachers. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Old men will dream. Everybody. Everybody is having manifestations of the Holy Spirit. 
That's what God had in mind all along. He is a spirit. You don't contact God with your flesh. And he's not just mental. He's not just a mind. He's a spirit. And those that are born again of his spirit can worship him in spirit. And it's not about the place. It's not about the outward thing. It's about the heart. And it's real. Anybody believe it's real? Real. And the Father seeks those. He wants it. Can you see that? Put that back up. Last couple of verses. Verse 23. The Father seeks such. Such what? Those that worship Him in spirit and in truth. The least bit of phoniness will hinder you from communing with Him. Because He knows everything. He sees right down in your heart. And you play with Him and you're going to feel far from Him. Not His fault, your fault. Everybody say, in truth. That means no hypocrisy, no phoniness, no junk, no playing. Got to be genuine, sincere. But if you are, and you're not just trying to do it in the flesh, immediately you're in contact with Him. Oh, hallelujah. And the more you yield to His Spirit, the more His Spirit will manifest. And you can get Begin to get filled, 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 filled. He will fill you like filling a vessel. He will fill you with his spirit. And there is no high, there is no drunk, there is no experience that compares with the most high. (laughs) What's the best high in the world? The most, being full of the most high God. Hallelujah. Being full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 24. God is a spirit. They that worship him must, just like it's impossible to please him without faith. And this is also done in faith. If you're going to worship him, it's got to be done in spirit and in truth. Anybody interested to learn more about this? Stand on your feet. We're believing the Lord. We're laying the foundation. Is he gonna he's already teaching us and helping us, but we are spirit people. Thank you, Lord. And we worship him in the spirit and in truth. Close your eyes. Just lift your hands by faith. Not flesh, not head, right out of your heart. Tell him that you worship him. Tell him that you love him. Lord, I seek to worship you. Just in your own words. Come on, lift up your voice. Lord, I seek to worship you in spirit and in truth. I want to minister to you in the way that pleases you best. And most in the way that is real. Hallelujah. I worship you. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your voices. Tell him right out of your heart. Oh Lord, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. This ministry has been brought to you today 
free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.